Tonight we're starting a brand new series entitled Return to Neverland. Where's all the Disney fans at? Where's all the annual pass holders? Let's go. One of the best rides at Disneyland, one of the best Disney movies ever. Peter Pan, man, second star on the right and straight on till morning. Come on, somebody. That's what this series is all about. It's all about returning to that place where we dream again. And not like where we dream those average, ordinary dreams, but I'm talking about those dreams where we believe for more. We believe for the impossible. I'm talking about the dreams like that we used to dream when we were, when we were kids, before the circumstances and the life hurt and all of that, where before growing up came into play. So many adults will, will go to kids and be like, you need to grow up. Like they'll tell you like as teenagers when you're in trouble and you miss your curfew by seven and a half minutes, they'll be like, you need to be responsible and grow up. I think some adults need to grow down. Like stop growing up so much. Because I believe when we're kids, man, there's just a sense of like wonder and, and dreaming and imagination that for some reason we grow out of it. This series is about growing back into it. And I believe that that is the word, um, word of God for us as we're kicking off 2019. If I were to summarize this whole series in a sentence, for those of you who are note takers, God loves you so much more. Um, you're going to get into heaven early. Like the annual pass holders who sometimes get fast passes, like you will get a fast pass into heaven if you take notes in church. It's not biblical at all, but I'm just going to claim it. Here's the, here's the whole series in a sentence. Go from good dreams to God dreams. Go from good dreams to God dreams. A good dream is a dream that you can accomplish that you'll get the credit for. A God dream is a dream that you can't accomplish that you won't get the credit for. God will get the credit for it. That's what this series is about, going from good dreams to God dreams. Our, our key scripture for this whole series is found in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, if you got your Bibles. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, we'll have it on the Big Sky Bible right here. Here's what it says. It says, now all glory to God. To who? God. To me? To you? To your grandma? To your crazy aunt? To your crazy uncle? To your even crazier cousin? Not even to my nephew Adrian. Nah, he's tight, but not even my, my cute little nephew Adrian. But to God. To who? To God who is able through his power. Whose power? At work within who? Who? There we go. According uh, to accomplish indefinitely more. Than we, can, than we can ever ask or imagine. I love this. is That's NLT. I love the way the living Bible says it. It says, above and beyond all we could ever dare to ask, think, or imagine. Who's got a wild imagination in this room? Who's had some crazy dreams in this room? Like ones you can't even explain. Indefinitely more, infinitely more, far above and beyond. All right, if you got your Bibles, go over to, to John chapter 8. That's going to be, uh, John chapter 8 is going to be our key scripture for tonight. If you're a note taker, I just gave you the series, the whole series, all of January in a sentence. Now I'm going to give you the sermon in a sentence. Tonight's sermon in one sentence is this. Dream for what could be, not what should be. Dream for what could be, not what should be. John chapter 8 verse 1. Does anybody got a paper Bible? That's what's up. I like paper Bibles. Here's what it says. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was, back, uh, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, kind of like here tonight, a crowd soon gathered, 
and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. What are you talking about? Um, adultery was to have sex with somebody that you weren't married to. Some of y'all like, oh, I didn't know church was like that. I'm glad I came tonight, though. This is a scandalous story. This is even better than that new Netflix show, show where, like, you get to pick the outcome of stuff, and you're like, what's going on? I can't believe this. And then they're like, Netflix is controlling me from the future, and your mind's blown. Like, ah. This story is even crazier. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to Stoner, what do you say? They were saying this to try to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Not a good idea to try to trap the Son of God, the Messiah, the miracle working man. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. What did he write? We have no idea. But man, let your imagination run wild on that. Maybe he was playing tic-tac-toe. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he was just like, maybe he was drawing up like the very first meme. Like he knew Bird Box was going to come out 2,000 years later. And he's just drawing that. Maybe not. Some people believe he actually started to write out the sins of those who were trying to accuse this woman. She's like, oh, okay, you want to throw, throw the first stone? Because I know you, and you did this. And writes it out in the sand. And they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, no. Here's what it says. They kept demanding an answer. So he, st so he uh, stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. The famous version says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Man, listen to this. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. Listen to this. Listen to this. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go sin no more. See, some of you all thought that God was mad at you and God's condemning you and God's, like, God's just legitimately upset with you. And he's just like, he's like your angry father or your angry mother who's just waiting, waiting to punish you for all the wrong that you've done. But yet we have a Savior who stands here tonight and says, man, I'm not going to let anyone condemn you and neither do I condemn you. That's the, that's the God that we serve. That's, that's our Savior. And maybe you don't know him tonight, but that's his attitude towards you. This woman, um, most believe she was a prostitute. Most believe she was a prostitute. And in this moment, at the very end of her life, where she's about to be killed for the things that she's done wrong, the very end of her life, Jesus steps in, defends her, saves her life, and then gives her the ability to dream again. That's why, that's why we're talking about dream for what? could be, not what should be. This woman should have been dead, but Jesus gave her the permission to dream again. And tonight, he's given you the permission for the same thing. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you're in this room. I pray that we would hear from you, God. I pray that tonight, get me out of your way so that you could come and you can speak. Do what only you can do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Pray one more time with me. God bless the Raiders next year. In Jesus' name, amen. Wait, wait, pray one, more, pray one more time with me. Pray one more time with me. God, I pray for the very first time that I've ever prayed in my whole life that the Chargers would win this week. But only, God, hey, hold up, don't get too excited. But only because they're playing the Patriots. And I, 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 I really don't like the Chargers, but I have a special place of loathing in my heart towards the Patriots. So I pray that the Chargers would win this week, but then they would lose next week. 
I pray that I pray the Saints would win the Super Bowl. In Jesus' name, Amen. Only because Raider Nation ain't in it, ain't in it. So we're going from good dreams to God dreams. Like most things, when it comes to dreaming, um, when, most things when it comes to life, in the same way when it comes to dreaming, it's all about positioning. Where's all the basketball players at in the room? Basketball players, when it, comes, when it comes to basketball and getting a rebound, it's not really even all about being like tall and strong. It's about positioning. It's about, it's about getting in the right spot. When it comes to like photography, it's all about getting the right angles, getting the right positioning. Like when it comes, when it comes to so much stuff, and like when it comes to surfing, anybody surf? When it comes to surfing, it's all about being in the right place at the right time, hitting the, uh, hitting the, uh, uh, hitting the wave at the exact right angle. When it comes to so much, when it comes to, when it comes to proposing to a girl, gentlemen, listen up. Ladies, listen up too. It's really important. There is one position that the proposal should happen. It's how I proposed to my wife nine years and nine years and six months ago. I proposed to her. How? How, how should a guy propose to you, ladies? On one knee. If, if a man proposes to you and he's not on one knee, you don't have to say no. Just tell him, try again. There's some things in life, you, it's just, it, it has to happen from a certain posture or position. Tonight, the best way to go from a good dream to a God dream is to dream from a couple different postures, a couple different positions. We're going to give you three tonight. The first one is wonder. If you're a note taker, write that word down, wonder. The word wonder is defined as a, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Everyone say inexplicable. That's just a fun word to say. Here's some synonyms of wonder. Awe, admiration, wonderment, fascination, uh, surprise, astonishment, amazement. We have to dream from a position of wonder. And nobody, nobody has more wonder in their heart than a kid. Nobody has more wonder and imagination than a kid. You remember when you were a kid, like, you had the craziest imagination. Like, your room became a dance floor in, like, two seconds. Like, as soon as your parents changed out the beds for a bunk bed and there was so much room for activities, you all of a sudden were a ninja and doing karate up in that place. Like, and you, I, I say, like, you still have that imagination. You're just often trying to be too grown up. And I can prove to you that you still have that imagination like this. The floor is lava in three, two, one, if you're still touching the floor, you're dead. You see, like, in that moment, as soon as I started counting, the floor was lava to you. Like, though, in your mind, you're like, got to get these feet off this floor or else my shoes are done and I'm going to, like, burn to death, right? Like, you still have it. It's just about getting back to that wonder. Man, uh, since we're talking about being a kid and how kids are the best at, at being a wonder, um, I think we have a picture of me as a kid. Let me show you. That's me. Wait, really quick, can you guess which one's me, though? <laughs> You're like, um, not the super white dude, like the other guy, obviously. That's my older brother, Josh. If you haven't guessed, we have different dads. Um, even even dictionary.com, where, where I got the definition for wonder, it gives an example. And the example that it gives is, is he, had stood on, he had stood in front of it, observing the intricacy of the ironwork with the wonder of a child. I propose to you the best way to get from a good dream to a God dream is to dream like a child. Dream like, like 
like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys and Wendy heading for the, the second star on the ride and straight on till morning, refusing to grow up, refusing to let anybody steal that wonder from their heart, I think that's the best place to dream again. And actually, Jesus even talked about this in uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. He said, uh, it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked. This is the disciples like sharing basically their dreams, what's in their heart with Jesus. Here's what they say. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And what, 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 what another uh, gospel records them asking in the same story is like, who's going to be the greatest? Like, can we have a lot of authority when we get to heaven? Can we be like really powerful when we get to heaven? How typical of an adult to dream about authority and power, right? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. This is that moment when like you're in trouble and your parents bring in your younger sibling. Who's got younger siblings? Come on, somebody. Who's the baby in the room? You're the youngest. So everybody else in the room hates you, just so you know. Who's the oldest? You're the oldest in the room? Everybody else in the room hates you. Now, where's my middle children at? Woo! God bless you. Mom and dad never even remembered your name, let alone your birthday. Anything, man. But this is like, this is like your parents bringing in uh, your younger sibling and being, hey, be more like them. Like how insulting, you know. And these, these disciples, these adult disciples, Jesus brings a little kid in front of them and says, says to him, uh, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let me say it like this. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. People will be like, oh, so I'm supposed to be like a child. I'm supposed to be, I'm, so I should just be like immature. No, no, no. Jesus said childlike, not childish. There's a difference between childlike faith and childish faith. Let me say it like this. Grow up in your mind. Grow up mentally, but forever stay a kid at heart. I'll tell you this. Every time I go to a McDonald's with a playground, <laughs> get out of my way. <laughs> like, I'm going to town on that thing. Like, I will 100% go to Toontown. Like, I... One of my favorite rides is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Like, it ends really sketchy, like, and it's like, there's all this craziness. You get, the police are chasing you. You get in a car crash. You die. You go to hell. Ride's over. Can I get off the ride on a different part of the ride? Like, that's, I, I will forever be a kid at heart. I just got an X-Wing drone for Christmas. I was eight years old again when I opened that up. Man, grow up mentally, but, but, but. Forever stay a kid at heart. Um, I have a nephew named, named Liam, not my nephew, Adrian, another one. He's, he's a lot younger. And I was at the park with my nephew Liam and my, my, uh, my niece Addie uh, when my younger nephew Riker, named after Riker from Star Trek, yes, my entire family are nerds, um, he was being born, and we went to the park, and, and my, my niece is swinging on the swings, and my younger nephew, um, he's running over because he wants to go on the swings too. So I'm going over there, and I'm, I'm rounding like the, the slide when I hear, and then I look, and Liam's laying on the floor crying. There was a kid on, on the swings swinging back and forth. This kid's probably like 10, 11 years old, and he's swinging back and forth, and my nephew runs in front of him, and he just gets kicked right in the head and is now face down in the sand crying. What do I do? Obviously, I blame the kid on the swings. Like, what's your problem, man? That's my nephew. I'll, man, I'll kill you. I'm like, I can't say that. I'm a pastor. I'm an adult. This kid's like 10. Like, I'm going to go to jail. Like, I'm freaking out. I immediately blame him. I get my nephew up. I brush him off. I'm like, you okay, man? He's like the biggest baby, though. Like, you can't even feel that bad for him. So then, like, 
he gets, <laughs> it is what it is. He gets better, right? Like he, he's like, he's back to himself. And I, I'm, I'm now like pushing my niece on the swing. Like giving her the pushes. She's like, no higher. So obviously when they tell you don't go any higher, what do you do? Push harder. Like, you know? <laughs> and then I'm a great uncle. That's why I don't have any kids yet. <laughs> but like as I'm like swinging my, my, my niece, my nephew's on the side. This is, I'm like on the last swing on the left. My nephew's right here swinging. And, 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 and Addie comes back, goes forward, and then my nephew takes a step. And literally, no joke, like, I was so proud of myself. I'm not, it's like humble brag. Like, I just reached over and pushed him by his head backwards as Addie came through. This kid almost got decapitated. No joke, like, like 3.2 minutes after he had just gotten wrecked by this other kid. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? But, but what is that? That's the heart of a kid, that the wonder about how high a swing could take him, it wasn't like not even being nearly decapitated can steal that wonder. So much so, let me, let me, let me say it like this. Not even past pain could keep that kid from the wonder in his heart and pursuing that wonder. Man, what pain from 2018 is stealing your wonder in 2019? What happened to you last year that has stolen the dreams in your heart this year? Who, let me say it like this. Who stole your dreams? Who stole your wonder? I could tell you this, that no matter who took that, God can give it back. Because God can heal and God can restore it. And we serve a God of new beginnings. And new, he says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old is what? It's gone. The new has come. So there ain't nothing that can continue to steal your dreams except the ones that you let. But here's the thing, is that childish faith goes right back to the swing in the same direction, the same way, the same strategy, all of that. That's childish faith. Childlike faith approaches the swing set again because you still got wonder in your heart, but it just approaches it from a different angle. It approaches it on a different avenue. Let me say it like this. You got to, childish faith is having the wonder of a kid, but the wisdom of a king. That's, that's childlike faith. Childish faith has the wonder of a kid and the wisdom of a kid and just continues to. So instead, young ladies, instead of just letting the dream of your, like, Prince Charming, instead of letting that dream die because so-and-so that was a buster anyways that loved Fortnite more than you because he's just immature and he don't know what, like, Yes. Go ahead and preach that. <laughs> Instead of, because, because that dude was too young to realize that love is patient. And so to him, all you were was a sense of entertainment. You don't let, you don't let your dream die with that relationship. What you do is you allow God to put a new dream in your heart. But it would be foolish, it would be childish to go after that new dream in the same exact place. You go fishing for that new dream in the same pond where you caught the guppy mouth trout in the first place. <laughs> if you met him in that like underage club that for some reason they let teenagers into when you got no business going to the club at 15 years old, and you're trying to find that new man in the same place that's just childish. What you got to do is say, God, give me that new dream, and I'm about to go find him in a different place. Man, I don't know. Maybe he's sitting in this room tonight on the count of three. If you're a single man, put your hand in there. One, two, three. Put it right back down. Ladies, like you got to, Adrian? Oh, snap. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, bro. I thought you were mistaken. 
gentlemen, man, like some of you, your dad killed your dream because like my dad, your dad took off on you when you were a kid. So you're convinced that you're going to end up just like your deadbeat dad. I'll tell you one thing, like I ain't my deadbeat dad. And I'm living, I'm living quite the journey. Life ain't perfect, but man, I'm loving life. You let your deadbeat dad be a deadbeat. You love him, you forgive him, you let go, but man, you move on because God has new things for you. You ain't going to be like your dad. You're not going to take off on your wife. You're not going to take off on your kids. You're not going to leave all that behind you. God's got a new plan for you. Kai, can you get ready for our illustration as I close this up and get ready to let someone else come up here and preach this? Let me ask you, write this down if you're taking notes. Have you stopped dreaming because you were hurt? If so, what stole your wonder? See, for this woman caught in the act of adultery, her life was over. She was about to be murdered. She was about to have rocks thrown at her until she died. That's what it meant to be stoned, not the other stoned. That's what it meant to be stoned in the biblical context. Um, and, and, and she's about to die, but Jesus in the midst, she's like face down in the dirt. And Jesus, like she is, she is face down in the dust and the dirt. Most believe she was probably naked in front of this entire crowd about to be murdered. But then Jesus. Some of y'all need a but then Jesus moment. Because I was, I was depressed, I was alone, I was on drugs, I, I, like, I hated my whole family. All I cared about was skateboarding and smoking, I thought that was going to be the rest of my life. But then Jesus, and free pizza. Kai back there just, <laughs> you need a but then Jesus moment. And what, what happened, what did Jesus do for this adulterous woman? And remember, what she, what she could dream and what she should dream were two different things. She should have dreamt for like a quick and painless death because, man, that's like the most she deserved. But what she could dream because Jesus stepped in was a completely different thing. And what did Jesus do? Jesus turned her eyes towards him. Kai, get out here for me, man. Bring that. If you're ready. So um, how many of y'all are like sunrise, sunset people? Like you go to the beach and watch the sunset so how, how many of y'all, you will, oh, you will wake up early to see the sunrise? Maybe. If there's coffee involved, sign me up. Isn't there just something about the sunrise and the sunset that just, like, fills your heart with wonder? Like, man, this is a new day. This is a new beginning, man. I'm, like, ready for whatever. Like, it's a, it's a fresh start. Jesus gives you a fresh start. Even the Bible, like, connects him and relates him to a sunrise. This is going to This is going to um, be our sun for us tonight. I believe in you, Kai. Come on, baby. There it is. Ooh. They said, whoa, bro. All right. All right, so this is the sun for us. If I'm, if I'm, if, gosh, that is so hard. I'm just going to keep my eyes closed. If I'm, if I'm facing the sun, if I'm looking at the sun, let me ask you, where's my shadow? Where, you know what? Where's all of the shadows around me? Behind me, right? But if I turn my back to the sun, now where are my shadows? Some of y'all have so much darkness in front of you because all you've not done yet in your life is turned towards the sun. <laughs> you know, like, just catch this tonight. Like, I don't, I don't do this to be like, oh, man, that is 
that is a very good point. That is didactic. That is vociferous. That is, I really like the illustrated stuff. No, I, like, just so you can get a hold of this, some of y'all, like, you, your dreams look so dark because you're over here like this. Like, I mean, I can't even see anything. I mean, it's just so dark. You know, it's just, I mean, it's just shadows. And just, like, he's a jerk, and she's a jerk, and my parents are a jerk, and I just suspect me. I didn't get into that college, and she dumped me, and he cheated on me. And it's, like, everything's so dark and dismal. Like, ugh. But, like, all you got to do for all of you ROTC people is an about face. <laughs> and look at, what did, what did Jesus do for this prostitute woman? He took her face and said, where are your accusers? I don't know. Why couldn't she see him? They were probably still around. They were probably still just walking away. But what Jesus did was just took her face and turned her towards the sun so she could dream again. Tonight you could dream again. All that it takes is turning towards the sun. Because as soon as you do, all the darkness is behind you and your heart will be filled with wonder again. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you this. Tonight, 2019, I'm sick and tired of letting the enemy steal my wonder. I'm sick and tired of letting my past take my dreams. I'm sick and tired of letting my past dictate my future. I'm sick and tired of letting people tell me because I used to be someone that I'm going to be this person. I'm sick and tired of letting anyone define me other than my God. I'm sick and tired of people telling me to grow up and stop watching Star Wars. I'm sick and tired of having these dreams that make sense and are, are, are like, oh, Go to a four-year college because that's what everyone's supposed to do. Like some adults, they have what's called the paralysis of analysis. They analyze everything so they're just paralyzed their whole life. Man, like you don't have to analyze everything because sometimes God's going to put a dream in your heart and it won't make any sense. Chase it with everything in you because I promise you this. That's the best life that you'll ever live in your entire life. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Kai Thompson. Get it, baby. What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey guys, my name is Kai Thompson, unlike Corey. I'm actually black, so. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna hop right into my section. So Corey's word was wonder, and my word is confidence. Everybody say confidence. confidence. Say confidence twice. Confidence. Now say confidence three times as fast as you can. <laughs> nice. All right, so we're gonna hop right into it. So the verse of this um, series is Ephesians 3.20 in the NIV. So now it says, now all glory to God, remember that, to God who is able, God who is able, not you who is able, not me who is able, God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. His power at work within us. All right, so I'm hopping to the definition of confident from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary for all you smart people out there. Full of conviction, certain, confident of success, confident that conditions will improve. And then also a little like sub word I had for mine is um, expectant. So I added expectant is because if we dream confidently, we can dream expectantly. Because when we're confident in what God can do, we can dream expectant of what will come. So the definition of expectant is one who is looking forward to something. How many of you guys are expecting of something this year? Maybe getting your license, graduating, expecting of school coming back like in a week, or Temecula Valley people are already in school. That sucks. I'm sorry. Jesus still loves you guys. All right, how many of you guys are confident in something? Confident that your brother is going to keep bullying you? Confident that your sister is going to keep tripping? Confident in something? All right, so something that's been pretty close to my heart right now, that's something I'm confident in, is something pretty, pretty like serious, and for me, 
And should I tell you guys? Like, I don't know. All right, so, so I'm confident that, that um, God, like, God's real favorite team is the Denver Broncos. And that, <laughs> and that the blasphemy that Corey has been speaking about the Raiders is going to go straight back to hell because the Broncos play at Mile High Stadium, which is higher and closer to God, which is why God likes the Broncos even more. And the Raiders, I don't even know where they play right now. There's no real Raider fans out there. Corey, that's whatever. That's whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so back when I was little, so back when I was little, like around like seven, eight, like whenever I was around my dad, I was always like confident that no matter what would happen, that I would always be safe with him. Just like anything could happen. Like some big dude like man could come and press me next to my dad and I'd be like, hit me. I'm crazy. <laughs> like I'd just be like, bet, come on. Because I knew that my dad was with me. Anything could happen, but since I had the childlike confidence in my dad that no matter what the circumstances look like, I always had confidence that he would come through and help me. So maybe that's why from the outside looking in, people say, yo, Bank is about to knock you out. You need to chill out. Like, he's pretty big. I don't know if he's that strong, but, but, he, but he's pretty big, and, like, this isn't looking good. You should probably chill out and back up. Bank about to sock you out. And I'm just like, nah, I know my dad. Maybe that's sometimes with you guys, like. Like, maybe your parents got a divorce, or maybe your grades are going terrible. Maybe you're just, they just went bankrupt or something, and you're just like, I'm so happy. I'm so peaceful. And people are like, why? Why? And you're just like, I know my father. Because sometimes people don't know our father, our God, as much as we do. So that's the childlike confidence that God calls us to have. And maybe you're like, Kai, that's sick. You have the confidence that you can stand up to bank as a seven-year-old. But I don't have that confidence. I'm like, cool. Neither do I. I'm like. This bank, I don't know, we'll fight after, after service. But, but yeah, because the thing is, that's the confidence that he calls us to have. But it's okay, because God doesn't call us to have confidence in ourselves. He calls us to have confidence in him. Because if it was up to us, like, my self-confidence in myself isn't very high. But it's okay. God doesn't call us to have that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, have confidence in yourself and everything will be okay. It says, have confidence in God and all he can do. Because God is all-powerful. God is always on time. He's never late or early. God is always worthy of our praise because he will always come through. Maybe you're like, well, God hasn't been that great to me. And it's like, I was confident for a little bit, but now it's like a couple days later, I'm like, forget God. But God doesn't call us to have confidence for a day. Like, oh, I'm confident that I'm going to get these grades up. But it's like, your next test isn't in like a month. So how can you expect that? Be confident in the process. Be confident throughout the whole time. God, because confidence for a day is cool. But he wants us to have steadfast confidence through perseverance and everything through. See, look, Ephesians 3.20 even says, all glory to God. Who is able? He is able. God, not ourself. Because it's not about self-confidence. It's about God-confidence. Confidence in God. It's not about believing in our own abilities. It's about believing in God's abilities. It's not believing in our own flesh and our own skills to get us where we want to be. It's about believing in God and all his almighty power getting us where we need to be. That's where we need to have our perspective on with our confidence. Because confidence in ourselves only gets us so far. Confidence in ourselves will never allow us to fulfill everything that God has purposed in our lives. So it's like, why can we dream in confidence? Everybody say, confidence. confidence. All right, so back to the story of the woman caught in adultery. So back to what Corey just said. She was caught doing the no pants dance with another dude that she wasn't married to. And, and pretty much that sin that she had committed made her, caused her to um, be sentenced to death. So what she had done made her go from whatever she was in to the worst, lowest part of her life. 
And then Jesus comes on the scene and pretty much says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, if you look at that, she literally goes from having the worst day of her life to be, saying, to be given the saying from Jesus to go live your best life. You see, think about the confidence that she had to have for her to believe in what Jesus was saying. Imagine some of us get to school late, we get a detention, and then we're all mad the whole day just because of that one small moment. We get home, mom's like, made you a mac and cheese, got you some hamburger helper. I don't know who eats that anymore, but I just made Jesus great dinner. You're like, mom, I don't care. You eat it. I don't want it. And it's like, like what happened in your day? It's like, I was late to school. It's like, man, you woke up late. You were five minutes late. Everything was all bad. But imagine, take that, multiply it by 100. That's what she was going through. Imagine that confidence that she had to have that Jesus was telling the truth, that Jesus was really saying, go and live your best life. That's the type of confidence that Jesus calls us to. That's why we can be confident into dreaming into all that God has for us because her circumstances were terrible. She had the worst circumstances that anybody could think of. But still, Jesus called her to dream and to go live her best life. See, no matter what our circumstances look like, we can't allow that to shift our perspective on what our dreams can be. Because if we allow it to shift our perspective, we shift it off of God and we turn our back to the sun. And then our dreams get smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's not what God says. God wants us to dream above and beyond no matter what the circumstances look like. See, now, as we go into the story of David and Goliath, I think we all, most of us know what it is. David, some little scrawny dude, conquered a big old giant. And it's like, okay, cool, David conquered Goliath. What kind of, why does that need confidence? But the thing is, it's like, the reason why David was able to conquer Goliath was because of the confidence that he had before and what God did in his life. You see, David was a shepherd, so he had to take care of the sheep. And what comes to taking care of sheep is that predators come. Predators come and try to, like, kill the sheep, and your job is to protect them. So he had to use a slingshot, sling that thing, and kill the bears and whatever type of animals were there. Maybe cats, because nobody likes cats. So he was probably out here killing cats with a slingshot. <laughs> yeah, so when he got to Goliath, he was like, I'm confident that since God came through back then, he's going to come through now. Because if God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then what makes you think that God won't bless you then, now, and in the future? That's why David had the confidence to do what he did. And the reason why also David was able to do what he did and take down Goliath is because he dreamed to take him down because it brought glory to God. It brought glory to God and not himself. And we know, like, after everybody was like, David, David, you took down Goliath. Let me see. What's your number? Well, I don't know. Do they have, like, email or, like, camel mail or something? I don't know what they, what they had. Yeah, what he did brought glory to God. And when you align your dreams with God's vision, then that's when they will come to fruition. When you let your perspective and your confidence align with God's perspective, it will allow you to step into your future and step into your dreams without having any doubt that they will come true because it brings glory to God. See, because David pulled up on the scene, like, because David was talking down on God, talking down on the, um, the army that, he, that was around. David came up and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine talking about my people running up in my hood? Today I got time because, like, right now, what's up? That's the confidence that God wants us to walk into. That's the confidence that God wants us to have. And you see, David and the woman were not qualified to have these great dreams. But it doesn't take what we're qualified in for us to dream big. Look, they were able to change the world because of their confidence, not because of their past. Because if, if it was based off what they're, qualified, what they're qualified for, the woman would have never went to go live her best life. David would have never taken down Goliath. But because they had confidence in God, not themselves, and they wanted to bring glory to God, that's when it came true. And that's when they were able to change the future. See, real quick, I'm going to say, Matthew 7, 11, it says, If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, it's like, see, maybe none of us have, like, all the money to give gifts, but 
look, so if someone we love, and it's Christmas or it's their birthday, we want to give them a good gift. We want to bless them with whatever we have. So if us who are sinful and us who are imperfect can give good gifts to others, imagine that God who is almighty and all perfect wants to give good gifts to, good gifts to you. Because God is, oh no, and God is perfect, and God loves us so much that he sent his own son down to die for our sins. That's a love that is incomprehensible, and that's the love that wants to bless us as well. So just imagine, like, if our parents want to give us good gifts, how much more God wants to give us good gifts. So, like, that's the why we can dream in confidence. That's why, because God shows us in the Bible multiple times and why confidence in God is rewarded, not confidence in yourself. See, in Matthew 7, 11, it says, to those who ask him, to those who ask. This is the how. And see, now Ephesians 3.20, it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. For him to do immeasurably more, we have to ask or imagine. We have to go out and dream. We have to do it. This isn't a passive scripture. This isn't just saying, I'm going to sit back like, God, you know, I want a Ferrari. I want a hot girlfriend this year. You know, that's about it. Where you at, God? What's going on? See, that's not what God calls us to. God wants us to go step out in our purpose and, and let him do his work within us. Because God, something that God can't is that God won't get his glory through just random stuff. God has to do it through us. We have to ask to allow God's purpose to come down on earth. You see, I was watching this movie. It wasn't a Christian movie, so don't persecute me. And, and there's a quote in it. It said, fortune favors the bold. And that really, like, stuck with me because it was like, hmm, like, that really, like, if you're bold and, like, fortune favors you. Fortune's not a Christian word either, so we'll get away from that. But, see, I changed it. I was like, what can I do to make this more of, like, a, a God verse? And I was thinking, okay, fortune, we can say, like, favor. Favor favors those with confidence. Because fortune favors the bold, but favor favors those who step out in confidence with God. Because God rewards confidence. You can't. Whatever you step out into, God will always be in between and in front of you and behind you, protecting you on all sides. That's the confidence that we're called to have, and that's why I said fortune favors confidence. We can't expect to do God things if we don't allow him to, if we don't give him the room to do God things in our life. We can't expect for him to harden the waters on the sea if we don't first step out. We have to give him room. We have to allow him to do the things that he's able to do, but we have to allow it to go through us. You see, now as we close, the Bible says we're born with the spirit of courageousness. A spirit of boldness, confident in who God is. But the enemy instills lies in us every single day saying, nah, trust in yourself. Nah, do you. Do your best. Nah, just don't trust in God. You can't even see him. Why would you trust in something you can't see? But that's not what the Bible says. We're born courageous. We are born bold. But we have to walk it out. We have to actually practice it. Confidence doesn't come by staying on your couch and hoping for it. Confidence comes by walking out and doing the things that you dream of. So as we go into the next thing, as we go into JJ's part of the message, think about this. Imagine if you wandered with childlike faith and childlike confidence in God and see what he can do in you. Ladies and gentlemen, JJ Rodriguez. What is up, everybody? How's everybody doing right now? Good? We just heard two fire messages. We got Corey, we got Kai, two blackest people in Maria. <laughs> but my name is JJ. Um, 
I'm going to just let you guys know right now, I'm going to get pretty loud when I preach. I take scripture serious. we got a holy God. we gotta, we got to be passionate about a holy God, about a serious situation. One of my favorite quotes that C.S. Lewis says, he says this, If Christianity isn't true, then it's of zero importance. But if it is true, it's the most important thing in the universe. You guys ready to begin? All right. We got confidence. We got wonder. And now we got grace. Grace is, oh, I'm so glad I'm preaching grace. I wanted it so bad. I'm not going to lie. All right, let's dive right into this. Hosea 3, 1. We got it on the Sky Bible? Yeah, let's go. NIV. The Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. And in raising cakes, it does not mean literally cookies or something. It is, prophetically speaking, of things of the world, things we hold on to that does not let God in. Context time. Hosea and Gomer. Who's heard of it? Who's read Hosea before? Sick. No one has read it. That makes this even better. Oh, Corey, he's a pastor. It doesn't count. That's one down. All right. Hosea and Gomer. This is literally a novella. If you've ever seen a novella, Hosea, the story of Hosea and Gomer it's, it's perfect. It's perfect for this. We got Hosea, a righteous man, obedient to God. We got Hosea. He's a good-looking dude. I picture him looking like Thor, to be honest. Because, come on, you know, you know Thor. We've seen Thor. Thor's a good-looking man. And then we got Gomer. Gomer, Gomer, Gomer. Gomer is a prostitute. She's, a, she's going freaky in the world, okay? And not only is that, so we look at it and it says, go show your love to your wife again. Again, okay. So Hosea, by commanded by God, was asked to marry Gomer. I, if, I, if God asked me to marry a prostitute, being looking like Thor, being a man of obedience, I'm running. I'm gone. I'm not doing it. And the story only gets worse. They have two sons. Oh, no, they have a son and a daughter. One, the daughter's name is Lo Rahama. Okay, what does that mean? And it's translated into not loved. My goodness. And the other, <laughs> and the other is named Lo Am I, which means not my people. So we got dumb and dumber as the kids. <laughs> we got dumb and dumber as the kids. And next thing you know, in all reality, in all true context, we have a righteous man married to a woman. In all reality, in that type of society, he had no business being with. And it's crazy to me because he could have had really any wife he wants. He was your typical Boaz. He was. All the women in the room, I'm looking for my Boaz. 2019 is my year. Girl, you better stop. Graduate middle school first. <laughs> Woo! I'm sorry. I'm not trying to break no hearts out here. I'm not trying to break no hearts. But I'm going to have to keep it 100 with you guys, okay? <laughs> oh, that's an email. Anyways. <laughs> but here's the thing that's crazy. So really, for this whole story of Hosea and Gomer, Gomer gets the good end of the stick. She gets married with this righteous man. He's obedient to God. He's a perfect example of what a godly man is. He's good looking, whatever, right? And she's a prostitute, and she really just gets... Um, saved in a sense here but she goes back into her life of prostitution she treat yep come on it's i told you it's a novella i wasn't playing no games she cheats 
on Thor. Cheating on Thor? Y'all are tripping. I would never. <laughs> he cheats. She cheats on Thor, cheats on Hosea, and goes back into the sex slave industry where men bought her to abuse her. And we can look at the story. We can be like, the way we're reacting, girl, you are tripping. You are ungrateful. You're going back into the world where really they're just treating you like crap. They're using you and they're abusing you. And it's just, it's one of those things where we can look at them and say, you know what? You deserve that, Gomer. You deserve your life of prostitution. You want to cheat on your man, a faithful, godly man. You do you. Our society does too much of you do you. I'll tell you that. We look at people. They try to get into their faith, right? And then they mess up. And then we say, you know what? Whatever. God is good and that person is dumb. You can go do you. I wonder what would happen if someone told you, you do you. Oh, my goodness. It's, hold up. Let me read this real quick again. Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to the other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. I don't see it. Hold up. It's not even in my Bible and it's not in the notes. Does anyone have a paper Bible? Who has a paper Bible? Can someone bring me up a paper Bible? Who's opened up to Hosea? Oh, my. Corey, what is this? This is not a, they don't have it in here either. This is the pastor's Bible, guys. You guys trust this dude? <laughs> I'm trying to find where it talks about how Gomer felt. I'm trying to find where it talks about where Gomer thought, how Gomer was feeling. We know that she left, but we don't know the reason why. And I can't help but to tell you that the reason why she left is because she didn't feel in place with Hosea. Because she didn't feel like she deserved it. She didn't feel like she was good enough. She thought she was a prostitute. And when you think that's your identity, you never could accept God's grace. It's absolutely crazy. It's sometimes our own personal doubts that will stop us from dreaming. I remember when, I remember when I, at youth convention, I talked to Corey, and that was when the first time I really um, considered or really heard about being a pastor. And now I'm studying in school to do so. But I remember when I started, man, it was, it was rough. I remember when I looked at God, I'd pray, and I'd say, God, I'm just some dumb kid. I, was, I wasn't raised Christian my whole life. I, wasn't, I didn't know any studies. I went to CBU to study theology, but I went in not even reading nearly half of the Bible. And I felt, God, why would you use me? And I felt that was the reason why I had to walk away so many times. And I can already tell the voices in your head. You're thinking, God, I messed up too much. I slept with too many boys. I slept with too many girls. My father doesn't care for me. God, why would you? My parents, my parents have no, no type of desire to follow you, Lord. Why should I? And so we feel ourselves feeling like Gomer, going back into our old selves. Not because we think that we deserve God's love, but because of the opposite. Because we think, you know what, this is all there is for life. Let's go back to Hosea 3.1. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her, as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to the other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Next verse, verse 2. This is crucial. Pay attention to this real quick. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and lethic of barley. I don't think you understand this. Hosea has to buy back 
what was already his. Can you imagine that journey? You lose your wife, and so you're heartbroken because you have two kids dumb and dumber with her. And next thing you know, you have to go find her. And not only do you have to go find her, just imagine what that looked like. How do you go searching for a prostitute? Where do you go? I wouldn't say you go to Sam's Club. I wouldn't say you go to Murrieta or something like that. But I say you go to the worst parts, the parts where Hosea had no business going. Where Hosea had no business going to try and buy her back. And I love this because when Hosea, I can only just, I can just imagine. Hosea goes to the man who was selling his wife. Hey, yo, let me get my girl back. Nah, there's a price. And I can, I can see Hosea a little bit frustrated, but he says, okay, how much? How much? And then he buys her back. Because the men intended, the men who were prostituting her intended to abuse her. But God sent Hosea to buy her back to save her. And this is the perfect picture of the gospel. It's so beautiful because when we think we don't deserve, because we really don't, when we think that everything in life, we deserve all these horrible things, we do. Because we disobey God every single time. But he says, you know what? That is still my daughter. Gomer is still my daughter, and I still create her to the image. So what is her price? What is her price? Do I need to send my son to die on the cross, the most excruciating pain in the world, so that way she is saved? What is her price? Because I'm not concerned with these temporary, what the men thought was temporary, because I'm concerned with her eternity. It's, can the band start heading up? Now let's get, let's get into John 8, 1 through 11. Ooh, you guys heard it twice already by Kai and Corey, but I'm just going to paraphrase what happens and go through in depth what the woman caught in the act of adultery is all about. Paraphrase, we got the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time. We got the scribes, the religious scholars of the time. And they catch this woman, which is kind of weird. How do they catch a woman in the act of adultery? There must have been somewhere where they shouldn't have been, but we're not going to get into that right now. They catch a woman in the act of adultery and bring her before Jesus and say, they tell her, they tell Jesus, shouldn't she be stoned according to the law? When the law totally talks about man and woman, so where was the man? So these guys were already crooked. And so let me tell you this. He brings her before Jesus with, just imagine, I want you to imagine a woman probably naked, straight up naked, just because she was dirty dancing randomly, Adam and Eve style. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and this dirty dancing didn't, when you got caught with this, you didn't just get your wristband cut off like homecoming. You didn't just get your wristband cut off like homecoming. It resulted in stones. And I'm not talking about stones, right? So, you, okay, I want you guys to imagine the stone. I got one. It's not the rock. They didn't, look, let me tell you, <laughs> this stoning did not require crumpling up the rock and just throwing it at someone, you know? Careful. That was a good throw, my gosh. No, this is, this is, and it's, it's funny because I'm trans, transitioning from a funny thing to a really serious thing. This is seriously one of the worst pains a woman can feel. Just imagine a woman on her knees, possibly even buried halfway under, because that's the way they used to stone people. And I want you to imagine, imagine, imagine a medium rock, like this, thrown repeatedly at her face, because she initially sinned. I don't think anyone would, um, what's the word I'm looking for, come up here and 
voluntarily get stoned. And here's the worst part, is that when you, when you are in the process of stoning, it doesn't take one stone to kill you. It's repeatedly, 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 repeatedly happening until you're dead. Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you this. What does Jesus say about this situation? What is, where is the grace that is shown fully in this situation? He says, let anyone of you, it was probably a crowd of people, older all the way to young. He says, let any of you who's without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. Kind of like saying, let the perfect person who the, who's available, to, who's, who should be able to throw the stone at her, let her do it. And what happens next is easily one of the most shocking things, not only in that society, but what ended up being one of the most beautiful things in the world. Check this. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, probably broken, not just happy. Yes, Lord, no one did. No, she was probably broken, crying, ready to be dead, ready to understand this is what I deserve. Sounds like our friend Gomer, huh? No one, Lord. And Jesus then says, then neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Romans 5.8 says, but Christ, but Christ demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8.34 says, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. If you don't understand one thing from my, my message this whole time, understand this. God created us to glorify him. And in the process of us being created to glorify him, we rebelled against him all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament and continue on till now. Though we were imperfect, though we did a bunch of messed up things, though Gomer went back to her life of prostitution, he sends his son. For imperfect people, he sends a perfect person for the atonement of their sin. Just, just, I want you to think about the cross. I think we wear crosses around our necks. We have tattoos. We have all these different things to talk about the cross. But I don't think you understand the thing that Jesus actually had to endure while on the cross. It was the word excruciating in Latin. We, it gets from Latin. It says excruciatus or out of the cross. God, Jesus, literally because of Jesus' death, because of the crucifixion, we have our word excruciating. And I'm like, and I thought, I remember I read, I've read through the Gospels and I'm reading through the Old Testament and I'm studying and I'm thinking, God, why? What reason do you have to love us back? What reason do you have to love a depressed person? What reason do you have to love an abused girl? What reason, Lord, do you have to love me? It's too late. This is what I deserve. And the answer is because of love. Because Jesus, because God loved you, because despite your imperfections, he said, that those are still my children. Despite what you think you can do, God said, let me work a thing in them so they can have eternal life. I dream for everyone in this room that you receive a relationship with Christ. I dream for everyone in this room that despite your, circumst your circumstances at life, that you understand Jesus endures through it all. And with this attitude, no one distracting you. If you guys could head to the front as I finish my closing remarks.
I want everyone to understand that you are loved by a Father in heaven. That you are loved perfectly. No love like a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a friend or a mother or a father, none of that can compare to the love of the Father. And he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins with great joy. Not because you deserved it, not because he needed to do it, but because he loves you. And because he doesn't want you to experience temporary happiness, but he wants to experience eternal joy. Before we head into worship, let me pray. Dear Lord, I am so thankful for your love and for your mercy upon our souls, Lord. Lord, I'm just so thankful that despite our imperfections, despite the things that we do, Lord, that you look at us and you say, do as you please, but neither do I condemn you. I love you. Lord, I pray that we repent today from the things that are holding us back from loving you. Lord, I pray that we step into a life of obedience, that we step into a life of love, Lord. Not because we deserve it, but because of your glory. And that, Lord, we live our life with the truth of the gospel, that you are enough through it all. In your beautiful name we all pray. Amen.